Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Here we go with part two of the Kodiak Blacktail Girls Hunt with Emily Thompson. And last week, we just kind of started telling the story behind our seven-day Kodiak Alaska Blacktail Hunt. And it was so much fun. We really relive everything from how things happened in the field to things that we would do different when it comes to our gear and really just covering some of your questions that were asked online This was an incredibly fun hunt, a cool experience, and a big learning uh, lesson for so many of us involved in this story from everything from planning to picking out gear to budgeting to making the trip unfold and everything that happened in the field as well. I think it's a really good episode for people to listen into, especially if you're somebody maybe sitting on the fence with wanting to plan something like an out-of-state hunt or potentially doing something like a fly-in or a drop-off or even just getting used to how transporters work. We kind of cover a little bit of everything. Again, this was primarily a DIY hunt. Uh, It was non-guided, but we did use a transporter to get in and out of the field on several occasions. Uh, Really fun. Again, just a cool experience. I think it'll excite you if you're wanting to plan something for yourself. And it can be a little bit intimidating when you're looking at, you know, going outside of your home state and trying something new, whether that's a new species or not, just getting outside of what you know, what has been in your home state can be a little bit tricky. So it's cool to cover some of the questions that we got asked about planning, also about things that we did in the field, such as uh, quartering out or dragging. So either packing out or dragging out. And uh, we got several questions about this. So we talk about that at length. And then one of the questions that was actually asked was by somebody talking about, would I recommend this to be a hunt for a family? So bringing kids, I think the the question was from a 12 year old parent. Um, I have a 13 year old and a 16 year old, and we've done a fly in uh, moose hunt in Alaska out of Fairbanks, uh, where we talked a little bit about kind of what it's like to bring kids into the field with you. And specifically talking for like a Kodiak blacktail hunt, I guess I would say yes, but it really depends on uh, who else was going on the trip and how camp was going to look, how days in the field would really play out. Um, I would want another adult, probably my husband there, um, and maybe somebody else, just safety and numbers, you know, taking a kid out into a place as remote as this, specifically with the amount of brown bears they have there and the potential for interactions with the black bear or the brown bears, I would say I would feel more comfortable having a few more capable adults that I knew well. Um, that's just coming from me as a parent, but I think my kid would absolutely love this trip. And again, because it is such a quote unquote target rich environment, there's just opportunity to learn a ton 
ton as well as an opportunity potentially bring home a good amount of game and let your kiddos fill some tags. So for that reason, I think, yes, I would obviously be prepared on a physical front, making sure that your kids are capable of taking on a hunt like this, but that's up to to you to decide. We are going to jump in without further ado to today's show. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And of course, if you have follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to me online, heroutdoorjourney.com or on Instagram, heroutdoorjourney is the handle there. Real quickly, I also want to mention that the full video that encompasses this entire trip from a day-by-day play of what happens in the field to some stuff um, back at the camp, just enjoying the lodge, processing deer, flying in and flying out, will be on the Her Outdoor Journey YouTube channel coming this Sunday. So be sure to head over there. There's already some cool content, some of our recent hunt videos and stuff up there. If you want to tap into that while we are waiting out the winter months and waiting on some better weather and next year's upcoming season. All right. Without any more chit chat from me, let's dive right into the the show. If you're in the market for some new optics, don't forget to check out Mavenbuilt. This consumer direct company is spinning heads, winning awards, and producing some of the best quality glass at a direct to consumer price. I've been using Maven's unrivaled binoculars and scopes for over seven years and on every level, they've surpassed my expectations. Head over to mavenbuilt.com to check out their top of the line optics, read the reviews and pull the trigger on the glass you've been eyeballing. That's M-A-V-E-N-B-U-I-L-T.com. Use the code SoulSummit-GIFT and get a surprise in your next order just for listening to the show. Today's episode is also brought to you by... Not only do Sawyer's off-grid water filtration systems, family-friendly and gear-safe insect repellents, and their first aid supplies help keep you safe and comfortable in the field, Sawyer also gives back worldwide. Every Sawyer product you buy is a contribution to our common humanity, bringing clean water programs to people in need domestically, internationally, and in disaster relief missions all around the world. Sawyer is 10 plus years into relief programs and works with over 140 charities in 80 countries, touching and saving the lives of millions of people every year. Serving a bigger purpose is what Sawyer is all about. Nature wants to get explored, gear up and go adventure, knowing that every Sawyer product has been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Find Sawyer products on Amazon or locate a store near you by heading to Sawyer.com. This podcast is also proudly supported by the Her Outdoor Journey brand. Our mission is to create common ground for passionate outdoor junkies, bridge the gap for women that hunt, and inspire you to live your bucket list life. Hop on over to HerOutdoorJourney.com to dive into the blog, find events near you, and join this community of outdoors men and women. That's heroutdoorjourney.com. All right. Without further ado, welcome back to another episode of the Soul Summit Podcast. I am joined again today. This is going to be part two with Emily Thompson. We are recapping the Kodiak uh, Girls Blacktail Hunt. So uh, welcome back to the show. It looks like you're in uniform today. Um, I am on, on duty. Perfect. Um, well, at the end of the last episode, you and I were just kind of recapping that day that we tripled up and, you know, you're like, court, grab your gun. And lo and behold, there was definitely another buck. And yeah, we had three bucks down that day. Crazy. Honestly, I've reflected on that day so many times, like 
is it still kind of settling in for you or where are you at with this whole process? A hundred percent. Cause I still now like at work, even just like yesterday, guys are like, you realize like these are once in a lifetime, like bucks. And I, you know, naively, uh, you know, I'm learning like, yeah, especially since we've got back, like we really, we really stuck it to her. And like, these are guys that have been going to Kodiak, different parts, different boats, you know, camping, lodges, DIY, public use. Um, and they've never seen like the bucks that we got. And yeah. so, so that makes it settle in a little bit more too, but yeah, it's still like, I love doing this part because it like brings it all up again and I get all yeah. jacked up and I'm like, Ooh, what can we go do next? <laughs> totally. I know I'm over here trying to make my 23 and 24 hunting plans. And I would like, just want to say yes to everything. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to go, you know, but I'm like, okay, i got to rein it in just a little bit make sure I'm making the best de- decisions for the time that we have. So totally. Um, but yeah. So one of the questions that was popping up online was this this idea of doing the gut and drag versus quarter and pack out kind of situation. And we talked about it very briefly. We kind of skimmed over the surface, but do you want to kind of dive into why we made some of those decisions and why we kind of evolved that over the course of the hunt to doing a gut and drag versus a uh, gut and quarter out? Sure. And a lot of this, I feel like, you know, it was kind of like my planning ahead of time. And I'm asking guys that have been there dozens of times, like, what's your method? What do you do? And like the same response I always got was like, depends. And that's exactly kind of what happened for us. There were a few scenarios for us, um, whether it was like early in the day, uh, depending on the size of the deer, um, different things like that. But I know, yeah, that was a new experience for all of us. And, you know, for you that has experience with black tail hunting, you're like, what do you, what do you mean? Like gut and drag it? Why wouldn't we just like quarter it out? It's not that big, you know? And so I'm like, I'm with that. But yeah, there, there were definitely some scenarios and I feel like we played them all, um, pretty appropriately. Like there were some that we got relatively close to the beach, um, so that we were able to like drag down uh, and just leave it and wait till we got picked up that night. Um, but then like other scenarios, like your first buck, like when we were pretty high up and timing wise, um, like we still wanted to continue to hunt. So I think that was a great, uh, you know, kind of play out that we did on that because it was like, it was easy enough. We all kind of packed out and then we just like hunted our way out super slow. Um, mm-hmm. and that would have been a really far, drag for that one not that Mm -hmm. you know we're afraid of like getting down and dirty but we just wanted to make the both use the best use of our time i feel like Mm -hmm. um like what do you what do you think i think we kind of played it right i think yeah you really just kind of hit the nail on the head with that because it's all situational just like most hunting is but um for us there was a lot of factors and we kind of again covered this but like you know, hunting around brown bears. So you don't necessarily want to be hanging out with your gut piles or spending any extra time that you don't really have to there. Uh, For two, we want to get back to the hunt in most situations relatively quickly. So just being able to either, yeah, handle it. Like on some of them, we just, you know, skinned them, gutted them, um, threw them in the packs. Then we just kept hunting. And other times we were able to drag down. And, and the only drawback I would really say, um, like off, you know, the basically just like off the cuff is, 
dragging is a lot louder. You know, you're moving through, you're pushing through stuff. So that's kind of, in my opinion, reserved for a situation where you're not necessarily going to want to go back and hunt the same areas. Um, or you might kind of just be done for the day. It worked out for us that we could do it where we drug the first one um, on that triple day out first. Yep. Um, we were we were being relatively quiet, but still, again, it's just a lot of noise for that area. Um, but yeah, I think just situational deciding whether it makes sense to put it in your pack and walk it around or take it to the beach and drop it off. Um, but yeah, I think on that one that you mentioned, it would have been pretty hard. Plus, again, now we're dragging through some prime, you know, buck killing country. Um, and I just don't feel like that was the right call either. So again, right. I think, yeah, you really, you really hit it on the head. We just did it the best way we felt in the time. Yeah. I don't necessarily like one or the other. Um, I think are both are kind of equally demanding and hard. Um, but I think it was kind of a fun experience to have that drag out. Exactly. And then like, that's the fun part. It's like, also then we get back to the beach and like, you know, we can go hang them in the meat room and you know, they're calling them nose draggers, depending if there's like this much between our little, you know, uh, <laughs> tray on the ground. Yep. And it was just a nice environment, uh, environment to like process the meat. Also, yeah. not having to constantly have your head on a swivel on like sure. high alert. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't think I would have done anything differently. Minus like my close, my close little button one, you know, sure. like we could have yeah. left that baby hole. Um but I, yeah, I'm pretty stoked how we, how we worked it all out considering it was like our first time we talked through options and it was like figured out what would work best. Yeah. And the one thing I can't remember if we did talk about this on the last podcast episode, but, um, you know, one thing I really considered when you're down there, you're getting ready to dress out the animal, you know, you've got your pack off, your guns off, you know, the camera's over here. I've got game bags out. We've got knives everywhere. And so one thing I kept kind of really thinking about is, you know, in some of these situations, especially, okay, if we are in a predicament where all of a sudden a bear does want to come in and take this deer, obviously you can have the deer. We'll just do our thing. Um, yeah. but now we're trying to collect our pack and our bags and our knives and our guns, you know, that's going to kind of be garage sold out. So one thing I would say is always be aware in those situations, uh, especially when visibility is low, that you can just kind of be mobile quickly. Yep. I concur. And that's like, even like in some of our photos, when we have that double, like people have been like, why do you have your pack on you nerd? And I'm like, so I could freaking beat it if I need to <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like yeah. I'd rather keep my pack with me, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, probably later on in the trip. And after we got your first one, yeah, where it's like, we just had a yard sale. Granted, we were um, kind of had good visibility, but there was that one knob on top of us that like we couldn't see behind. But I think after that scenario, it was like, okay, we need to do a better job of like keeping our stuff close, tight. Mm -hmm. So, and then like if something does go down, we can be mobile quick and not have to leave all of our stuff and watch a bear just thrash through it. Right. So this was, um, a day. So I was then tagged out at this point, you had filled two of your three tags. Um, and, uh, Kristen still had two tags left to fill. So this is the end of this day. We go back to the meat room, which like you said, was so fun. And also it was just a really good environment to be able to clean, you know, your meat and take the time and process things. Um, it was, it was cold, but it was a lot warmer than being outside in the wind. And, um, so it was just a great, great place to have, you know, go back. And it was fun. Like you said, to just sit there and BS and have a beer and just reflect on the day. I think that, that for me was one of the most fun times because you just really got like, let it sink in and soak, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I feel like at a few points we're both just like dazed, like, 
what just happened and yeah you said and i probably said this on the last one but we're like trauma bonding like (laughs) i just felt like so jacked and like remember Mm -hmm. kristen came up afterwards and like grabbed my shoulders and i just felt like the hulk like i could like rip anything from anywhere like yeah because that was a, a really like tough and physically demanding day but like i said before too it was like there was never a point where it was like oh like we can't do this or we need somebody but i don't even know if we talked about this part either but like Courtney and Kylene and or sorry Kristen and Kylene ended up like coming in halfway through and you know took a turn getting their drag yeah. on and they loved the suffer too like Kristen wanted to take on just as much as she could she's like give me your pack give me that deer give me your gun I'm like you're wild girl like I think we're good <laughs> it. but it's like she wanted a piece too you know and it was like I was more than happy to get equally yoked for sure. It was great. She was such a strong partner out there. The one thing I will also mention about the physical aspect to dragging out, especially in an area where you're not like walking down like this little sledding hill, you know, it's not easy terrain. You're going through a lot of thick timber through alders. Um, Everything's poking you, grabbing you, tripping you, you know, punching in the eye. And I think it's really uh, needing to be mentioned, like, be careful if you're doing that. It's such an easy opportunity to twist a knee or break an ankle or have a situation come up where all of a sudden you're going from this like high, high of packing out deer to like, I need somebody to come help me get off this mountain because I screwed up a leg, you know, or something like that. Yep, absolutely. And it's like, yeah, you're sitting there with a dead deer and kind of like, you know, a sitting duck, if you will. Yeah, if things were to, to go south. But I think that fresh snow was very helpful with mm-hmm. the drag. Um, you know, webbing is obviously like a necessity uh, to have if that's going to be something that you're going to do. Um, but then, yeah, like once those things kind of get going, like if you're at a downhill, it's like you just need to get out of the way because like sure. those is rack coming at your Achilles <laughs> and calves. Like I took a few pokes a few times, didn't feel that yeah. great. And so it was like, just let it fly. Um, I think one of also like the more memorable spots of that day is like pickup was six o'clock, you know, and Uh it's like we were dragging, which, uh, the guys on the boat thought was our first deer most likely. Um, but it was like five 55. We were so punctual. And I think he was very appreciative of that. Like every single day. Yeah. Um, and I just like wave like an idiot. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> you know, and then, so we get the first one down and I can see they pull up binos at one point And I can only imagine like these wild ass girls are like up here, just murdering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when we got back and we're like, Oh, there's actually, we have, we have another one in the yep. rocks over there. <laughs> yeah. Jaws at the floor for sure. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit, Emily, about your like physical aspect of this. Like, do you feel like your training, you know, mm-hmm. was really key in this? And also talk to me about how you prepare for something like this and how you'll prepare in moving forward for something mm-hmm. this physical. Yeah. Um, for, for me, like even in like my line of work, even getting hired here at the fire department, it was like the the physical attributes of the job. I don't know, had never been like a concern mm-hmm. for me. Like I'm built a little bit different. Um, I don't know that I feel like a lot of women where it's like, I have a lot more upper body strength, where it's like for most women, it's a lower body strength deal. Um, but even, um, you know, come spring of last year, just getting ready for hunting season. It's like, I'm, uh, you know, feel blessed to have the opportunity at work to like work out a ton. And it is part of our job to stay like fit and active mm-hmm. and like 
ready for duty type of deal. Um, so it really was like an easy transition, like stair climber every day at work, do a lot of mountain running and hiking in the off season, you know, sometimes with weight, sometimes with not. Um, so like the physical part, and I think I've mentioned this a few times before, it's like, that's one of the things that's in your control. Like mm -hmm. you can control how in shape and ready you are for hunt. There's dozens of things you can't control weather animals you know environment so it's like why not do your part to like be as physically right. and mentally prepared as you can for a hunt so it's like doing research asking people questions you know reading watching as many videos as i could and just making sure that i was prepared in both those aspects as much as i could be because it was like i did go in with high expectations mm -hmm. i'm like okay, like there should be no reason why we can't go over there and be successful, even though it's our first time. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, the physical portion, it was like, that was like, okay, I'm doing a drag. And it was like, okay, during our new hire test, it's like, you have to do a dummy drag, like all the things like putting on a heavy pack versus like wearing an air pack. It was just, mm -hmm. it's like such an easy transition for both for me, at least. Perfect. Do you feel like there's anything, you know, going into next season that you'll want to continue to work on or er any areas that you felt like might be weaknesses for you? Um, probably, um, maybe just like reading up more on like the actual like behaviors mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. whatever the species is that you're hunting. So in this instance, like blacktail, you know, I'd never hunted that before. And I'm so, I feel so stupid for not like recognizing that I needed to do that before because I'd done that before I went on a sheep hunt and a goat hunt but it was like understanding yeah their behaviors like what they're looking for how they move things like that um that would probably be like one one of the areas like physically I feel like as long as I'm you know we had our mobility center also yeah. that was like yeah. pretty clutch and didn't ever go unused um so just listening to your body making sure it's like you're recovering, taking supplements or like stretching, drinking a ton of water, which was hard for us to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it was like, Oh my God, it's four o'clock and I've peed once. Like that's not good. That was <laughs> almost every day for, I think all of us. Um, one, it didn't help that it was so cold. You know, it's always hard to drink water when it's cold, especially for me. I don't live where it's cold. Um, right. so yeah, you just, you're like, no, I don't want to have cold water. Plus our tubes were freezing our water bottles were freezing every day. So drinking water was pretty hard. That's something that I will definitely do different in the future, especially for that kind of a cold hunt. Um, but yeah, almost every day of that hunt, I was definitely dehydrated, you know, and then we'd get back yeah. and you're, you're trying to drink water and then you have a, you know, a hot chocolate with some, yeah, with some whiskey <laughs> and then you're trying to drink water on top of that and not pee all night long. And um, and also like trying to cram our face full with like whatever food we can get. Cause we just felt like so depleted because mm -hmm. we weren't really like full on eating mm -hmm. either. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, I, yeah, like I, kind of reverting back, like I feel good about physically how things were, but like, yeah, studying, studying probably a little bit more ahead of time, um, would be one thing that I would do. What about you? Um, I would say probably more my fitness, I would say I felt like, um, in, in the direct comparisons that you just made, I felt like, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a background with blacktail, um, because of where I grew up and what I've been hunting, but, uh, still then they act differently and their behavior is different than our Columbia blacktail here. 
And I mentioned this in the last podcast, but some examples of that would be like, you know, just pop population densities too. So at home, we're not going to see 30 animals. And at home here in Oregon, we're not going to see, you know, that many doe without seeing some kind of bucks running around, especially given that they were, you know, in the rut, there's bloody urine from the doe. Like it's just a little bit different, but everything I feel like, you know, you said you would study up and I think that's great. There's so many good resources and books. Um, but also I think that just spending that time, like, you know, if we're surrounded as we were many times by a bunch of deer, like just sit there and watch them, you know, just spend a half hour, just, yeah. Okay. There might not be anything here that we want to tag, but we can still sit here, watch their behaviors, how they interact, how they move, you know, how rapidly they're feeding or, you know, when, when you can tell they've smelt or seen or heard something, you know, like you can just get an idea of how that species kind of operates. Yeah, 100%. It was so cool that one day when I got that one in the morning, you got the one in the afternoon, um, how many we saw. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you know, and a handful of them saw us too. But, you know, there were plenty that didn't see us. But it was cool when we were just sitting there glassing in a few of those spots just to like, they just were popping up everywhere around us. And it was like, this is crazy. (laughs) We'll definitely talk a lot more about kind of what we learned, uh, what we would do differently gear and stuff like that at the end of this episode, but let's keep going through. So we have like two days left to hunt at this point. We're only supposed to have one. We ended up getting a bonus day on the end because of weather, but kind of walk us through now we've got, you know, all of these tags so far I'm tagged out. You've got one left. Kristen's got two left. How are we feeling? Walk us through the next couple days. Yeah, like I felt like no days could top what we had just done the day before. But I'm like, I would love to get another big one. Um, you know, and Kristen was so great. Yeah, she was she was happy just to bring home some meat. So like our second to the last day started. And like right off the bat, I think we stumbled across the dough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was one of the first things in the morning and Kristen did a great job, like got her gun and, um, it it didn't end up going far and she got to do like her drag all on her own that she was pumped about and she was sweating and working. It was great to just like watch her like suffer through it too. Just like we done, like, I know you love this, you little bee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we took that one down, covered it up. Um, and that was, yeah, way early in the day. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, I'm up next to shoot. Like, I love this area that we're in. Like, there's so many knobs and open spaces. And um, we ended up seeing, I think, a few more doe that day. But, like, nothing super impressive. Um, and then... Is that where? And that was our short day. That was our short weather day. So he could get us. Yeah. Our Mm. transporter could get us across the bay because, um, you know, it was a little bit, the winds were a little bit easier in the morning and then it kind of picked up. So we had a a short day. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They all kind of blend together at this point. Yeah. So I think we went to a few spots. You tried rattling a few times, which was super cool. Like never seen that. Um, but yeah, we found this good spot and we just kind of sat there in glass because our window was so small. We figured like, let's just sit here and see if things start to move. Um, unfortunately, nothing else really went down that day. So we got an early pickup. Was it one? Yep. One o'clock. One when we'd been used to like the five fifty-five, six 6 o'clock time. And um, so he picks us up and we're like, kind of like back at the cabin, still fully dressed. Like, well, like you know and everybody else at this point is like all the other hunters are like hunkered down in their cabins like 
pining for alcohol from other people because they drank all theirs. Um, and we're like, well, like we can go back behind the cabin. Like we got to do something. And at this point it was still clear, sunny, pretty windy. Um, and so we're like, that was also kind of like the theme of the trip was like, fuck it, let's go. You know, like we're dressed up. Um, I love so we that assessment. Remember when we all sat down in the cabin? Mm-hmm. So he picked us up early. We get back to the cabin mm-hmm. and we're sitting there and it's been like five minutes and 34 seconds, I swear. And all of a sudden we start looking at each other and we're like, so should we, should we just go back out? So, so if I said, <laughs> let's put on our boots again and go back out, what would you say? And we all sat there and like had that assessment. And I love, I wish Kristen was on right now because I love her part in that. You remember what she said? Uh, she, at first she like went full circle talking herself out and then back in and like I'm like getting whipped around like a tornado and I'm like you are so crazy but yeah she went she went full circle moment from like man this will be good I'll give me my body a break but man like we're here this could be so great I'm feeling strong yeah like I think we should like you're so funny <laughs> I loved that so much and I love that and like we're, we're both just we're both just staring at her watching her like this whole process go full circle in her brain we're like all right we're going yep and as soon as she said she got to that yeah 360 we're like yep lace your boots here we go but yep. in true in true behind the the cabin fashion the moment we got out there and started kind of getting some elevation it just turned into a whiteout i remember looking back once and looking like okay we've got a little weather moving in looking back like 2 minutes later i'm like oh yeah the whiteout's coming so that didn't last too long we also cut some uh some brown bear tracks up there it looked like he had been hanging out just kind of uh, right up around camp, but yeah, nothing that day either. So we went back down to camp and just kind of continued to work on meat and process things out, get things ready for potentially leaving the next day. Um, and then that evening we got word that it was too windy and the pilot wouldn't be able to make it out to pick us up. So we're like instantly thinking, perfect. Where can we go? Exactly. So, um, we get the transporter details and figure out where we're going the next day. And we're like, okay, hot and heavy. Like we're going in, we are going to get this done. Your first shooter. This is our very last day. Like we know it. So take it from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, that area where we were, was so cool. We got, um, dropped off with two other buddies of mine. Um, so we went one way, they went the other um and it was such a cool area like it was nearby where we had been hunting before but um again like kind of buck like super highway deer super highways like all kind of the way up and plenty of benches and like open kind of rolling meadows um so i'm like oh yeah this feels good over here it like felt like the other day when it was just you and i um, and at this point, like, I feel like we're all pretty, like, we're pretty dialed in, like, our stocking, like, we're, we're moving super slow. It was a, it was a really cold day. Um, so it was like, we were, everybody was full puppied up because we were moving so slow. Um, and then, you know, our plan always was pretty much like, go up, let's get some elevation and then maybe do a loop and then kind of follow our tracks back down. So I think it was, you know, a little bit later on in the day. Um, we weren't seeing a ton. Um, but then I was kind of leading, we're kind of hearing something that was maybe like 50 yards ish away. And like Kristen and I both stopped. And I think you were behind us like a few yards checking something else out. And, um, 
we both stopped and like were staring in our direction to our right, like for what felt like ever and didn't see anything. So we kind of kept going. I walk under this like perfect branch, like altar, if you will, like into what looks like is going to be the most epic like area, like, ooh, this is where we're going to sit. There's going to be bucks running everywhere in here. And so I'm kind of just like standing there frozen, like just waiting for you guys to kind of catch up so we can like make a plan to sit here. And at one point I turn around and you're next to Kristen and you're like waving me to come over. And you're like, there's something over there and it's larger than a deer. (laughs) Why don't you take it from there? Yeah. So, um, you know, none of us really wanted to have like a close encounter with a brown bear, but we were all very like prepared. I feel like Kristen seemed a little bit more cautious. Like she was definitely intimidated. So, um, on several different occasions when we didn't feel like it was like super pertinent information, we would just kind of, you and I would make a note like, Hey, there's tracks over here. Did you see that or whatever? And, So in that moment, um, I couldn't get your attention. I had actually kind of popped up on this little knob kind of right above you guys and was just looking. I wanted to make sure we weren't leaving anything maybe bedded in that little crevice over there. And so, and then I started hearing a noise that was coming from your guys' direction. And so I started listening and kind of just slowly making my way down there at that point, still thinking it might've been a deer or whatever, feeding around a couple of deer. And, um, so then I got Kristen's attention and I said, Hey, grab your gun. You know, there's something over here. And then as we were sitting there for a couple minutes or a minute and a half or whatever, it, I knew at that point that it was, it sounded like a bear. And that's why I quietly said to you without, you know, wanting to really spook her. Cause I didn't know if it was or not there. And then you confirmed that he popped out. I don't know what hundred yards away from us, 90 yards away up on that little ravine. Um, and just was kind of feeding around, you know, minding his own business. We were minding ours, but I felt like at that distance, one, we either have the opportunity to be like, Hey bear, you know, we're over here, you know, let him know, try to scare him off or just quietly move the other direction, which I felt like we all kind of felt like that was the right thing just to start moving the other direction. But like you said, it sucked because where we were, we just came into this little pocket meadow at this like convergence of like these finger ridges that had this beautiful meadow down in the middle of it. And I'm like, this is the haven for any, I mean, if you think about it, if you got a buck on this ridge or that ridge or that ridge, like they all have the potential to come down here. There was a little water moving through the bottom. It was like picture perfect. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. we decided to just make our way the other direction. We had been seeing a few doe here and there, but yeah, nothing that was uh, super exciting other than that bear at that point. Are you ready to join us on the experience of a lifetime? Pack your bags and get ready for this bucket list adventure in Sitka, Alaska. You show up and we'll take care of the rest. This seven day all-inclusive vacation will have you fishing world-class water, hiking some of the most beautiful parts of Alaska, paddleboarding, and kayaking through Cascading Mountains. Wake up and watch the whales from our luxurious home in the glow of the sunrise. Soak in this experience with a small group of passionate outdoor women and your private guides. Plan for fun-filled adventure by day and relaxing in the evenings in our stunning house hidden on our private beach. Head over to heroutdoorjourney.com forward slash Alaska to join us on the trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And also like to remind people, it's like you didn't have your gun at this point. I had mm-hmm. your gun. Um, and so you're kind of left like, I'm going to say helpless, but, uh, you know, Chris and I are the only ones packing at this point. So yeah, we kind of made the decision just to like back out, uh, you know, and essentially couldn't even like keep paralleling Mm -hmm. that area. We kind of just had to revert and go straight back. And unfortunately that ended up being like the rest of our day, but 
I was pretty stoked to like see one and like watch it for a little bit from a safe distance. It wasn't as huge as probably that other one, those tracks we saw, but it was neat to see. And, um, you know, I think we played that one again, like wouldn't have done anything different. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of, uh, our last day of hunting was kind of anticlimactic, you know, other than the bear. Cause it was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're done. Um, uh, we just slowly kind of hunted our way back to the beach and, um, you know, it ended up being a great day, but you know, so I ended up with two, you got three and Christian got two. And so that was kind of all she wrote. I, you know, I think that that, like you said, it all played out the way that it should. It worked out fine, but I did kind of feel that like, ah. Like we were just about to be in oh. it. You know, I, I was, you know, it's hard to feel let down when a situation like that doesn't happen. But to some degree, I was like, God, we were just like, you'd almost taste the success at that point. We're like, we're in a spot. This should be money, at least for like having some sort of excitement. Little did we know it was just going to be yep. the bear up there. But, um, and it's funny because uh, poor Kristen had a, um, she had the Zeiss cover on her scope and she, didn't she have like a single shot 243 or something, you know? So Basically, yeah. I'm at your six because you have my 308 Bagara. And um, yeah, so that scope cover, we had found it a couple times and picked it up for her and she had found <laughs> it and picked it up. And um, it was at that bare spot that she had taken it off. Um, and yeah, she's like, yep, it's gone. It's finally gone. I'll just have to order a new one. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, when we break down some gear things, like I already have a scope cover, you know, and uh, a few other things on order just to have that I feel like will be needed for not just like another Kodiak trip, but like needed for a next hunt for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything that you want to kind of add to like the recap of that trip in general? Like, do you want to talk about, you know, anything else, your biggest takeaways, or should we go into the gear piece? No, yeah, I feel like we've covered it, um, kind of pretty good over the course of the last episode in this one. Um, and I'm sure things will pop back up and I'll be like, Oh, I wish we would have talked about that. But like, for me, it was like the trip was a success mm-hmm. and I'm super happy and, you know, had a great time. Uh, wouldn't have done, you know, much things mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty cool. happy. Yeah, no, I feel the same. Again, just speaking to how the whole thing unfolded, kind of the short duration of planning, yeah. all of us going into a place we'd never been to every day, basically being in new terrain with, you know, unseen um, land. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of a, a learning process. But I think ultimately, like you said, it was a huge success. So much flipping fun. I wish that I could go back every single day and just like relive a few of those moments. It was, it was really something that was going to be, um, timeless in my memory for sure. So thanks for the invite on that, but let's, let's break down some gear. Let's talk about what were your favorite gear pieces on the trip? Um, well, it seems silly, but like those hand warmers came in clutch, like on some of those days. I did really like that Heli Hansen, that rubber one that I got because everything out there is so pokey and snaggy and just like wants to rip your stuff to shreds. Um, so like, yeah, that Heli Hansen rubber top was, um, I think a good, like, and that, that was like a very last minute purchase for me. Um, luckily we didn't have a ton of mm-hmm. rain to deal with. I think we mainly ended up wearing rain pants one of the, or a few of the days for snow and like more for warmth. Um, gotta have gators, um, you know, and the methods that we saw a lot of other people using too, it was like, they were, they were carrying their guns. Like, I think a lot of the days, like we may have overpacked and overdone it. 
but we also like wanted to be prepared to get left over there and we're like kind of prepared for anything. Um, I would definitely downsize my pack. I love my Barney's pack, um, but it it's like having two extra rifles with that frame sticking out right here. So I got hung up mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so I would go a different, different pack, maybe bring a little bit less stuff with me. I already ordered one of those quick release um, slings for your rifle that can go on any pack, but it's a stone glacier one. Um, Cause like everybody essentially was holding their rifles uh, on like different hunters out there, which was like, you know, makes things a little bit difficult, but like we ended up getting jumped by deer so many times that if you don't have either a quick release or in your hand, you're going to miss an opportunity. Um, So that feeling of when, you know, it took me forever to get my gun out of the pack and luckily this buck didn't move. Like, I do not want to feel that feeling again, you know? Um, Webbing obviously is like a thing, like gear piece, so like must have. Uh, mine was big enough, so I was able to cut it in two for both of us to use. Like, if you know, we're lucky enough to double up again, that was great. And definitely some like protection for your rifle, whether it's just a scope cover or a rifle cover. Um, so I also just got one of those, I think it's like the new Kuyu one. Um, and then another piece, um, you know, is like gun maintenance kind of uh i did not think that i would have any issues Mm -hmm. with my rifle um you know it's a brand new setup got this year and granted i was out for a total of three weeks in the fall for like sheep and caribou and stuff and uh goat before that and then black bear in the spring but i always kept like pretty good uh protection for it whenever we were around salt but getting back, um, taking that bolt out, it like the firing pin was like completely rusted. So um, you could pull the trigger, but if you like, uh, r- you would go to rack it and then pull the trigger when the pin was engaged to get that bolt up was like just like grinding on parts. I was like, this mm-hmm. is not good, you know. So. I've been thinking about that like quite a bit, like, okay, so it's like gear checks in the morning, either like making sure they're dry firing, um, whether we leave our rifles outside to like limit the amount of freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw, condensation, anything getting in there. Um, That's just going to kind of have to be maybe a little experiment that I try next time when I go hunting somewhere like where it's super cold. what about you? What am I missing? Yeah, no, I think that those are all great. And of course, you know, both of us at one point on this trip had gun issues and mine, uh, like I said, in the, the last episode, um, I'd have been having a couple issues with it only with the Barnes bullets. And so I thought that that ammunition was just not gonna, you know, I thought maybe it was a primer issue. Um, and you know, having that happening a couple more times on that trip, though it fired on the front end of the trip, it fired in the back end of the trip, fired in the middle of the trip, just not that one time. So, um, it's really hard to say. I think, um, what I'm going to do is I've already talking to Bagara. We're going to replace the bolt. I think it might be something within the firing pin or maybe the depth is not set, um, to strike hard enough on, on the primer. Um, but yeah, I think even way above and beyond that, just in general, like I want to educate myself more on 
how to basically have good gun hygiene when you're in an area with salt, when you're beating the brush daily, when there's salt water involved, when the temperatures are hot and cold um, and below freezing. I think it's really important just to know what is best for your equipment and how to make sure that you're taking care of it. Because as you both, you know, you and I now have this experience, having a gun misfire when you're anywhere is just, it's not for me. (laughs) I don't want to be in that position again. So I think just getting more educated on that for sure. Um, and then the other gear piece that I would say that I had a hard time with was I took a Sawyer water bottle, water bottle filter in the field with me. Um, just, I thought I could grab water from a stream if I wanted, but I never really considered that it was going to be freezing every day only because I didn't under, I yeah. underestimated the, the temperatures, but I would say, um, in an area where, you know, it's going to be potential for inclement weather, I would do a totally different water system. Um, there we had ability to just get water from the cabin. So that wasn't a huge deal. You know, we were able to make do without it, but that is one thing I would reassess is how are you filtering your water if you're going to be in below freezing conditions? Um, Some of the pieces that I really liked um, were for sure gators. And this I want to mention because I've been getting a lot of questions uh, recently about like the best boots. And while I'll say what I've said to everybody else, like feet are so different. Everybody's needs and bodies and mechanics are so different that you just have to figure out what works for you. I've had good success with crispy, um, people like Loa, people like Kenetrek. It just really depends on your foot. So go and try all the boots. But I would say as importantly, uh, for keeping your feet warm and dry, gaiters are a huge deal. I see people all the time and they're like, well, I don't really need them. I'm not going to get like rocks in my boots or, you know, whatever, but they will keep you dry. They'll keep your pant legs drier and they'll keep you from absorbing the water from your pants into your socks, which then go into your boots. So I'd say gaiters for sure. Cause cold feet suck. Yeah. And a lot of times we were tromping through snow that was like mid shin, you know, and it's like, you don't just in like jumping swamp, you know, like mm-hmm. swampy areas or like even in and out of the boat. Like there was a few days where it was like, okay, this is as close as we're getting. So you just jump in the water. And then we started our days with like semi wet feet or when you and I both, it was like probably day two or three. Oh, this looks like it's fine to walk in. Okay. Now we're up to our knees in yeah. the swamp. And I, that really could have gone bad. And I don't know, like we both just kind of like, I don't want to say we forgot about it, but it was like, I only have another option. I think we both brought socks that day, but I was like, oh, I got a pair. You can have one. I can mm-hmm. have one if we needed it. But I think we were moving a lot that day that we just stayed Definitely. Warm. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Just They're just nice to have in general. I typically wore my rain pants over my uh, Sitka Timberline pants uh, just for a little bit of moisture barrier. Also, wind block uh, kept me a little bit warmer. I felt like I could move fine in them. Um, but that was, that was nice to have as well. I felt like I stayed pretty comfortable. I did have to break up, break out my, uh, Kafaru lost parka a couple times. And which just was really nice that you can, you know, just slip that on. And, yeah. um, I will say if you're looking to buy like a down, a puffy, you know, something of oh, that warm layer, I love mine. I really love, and you and I talked about this at camp. I love that it has that. Um, I don't know what the pocket's called, but it's like a hoodie pocket, right? It goes through both sides. Like the can- kangaroo, yeah. kangaroo. So pup. it has that. I though think that I would want a full zip in my next puffy or maybe buy their version of the full zip only because it's kind of a pain if it does get really cold to where you're not going to take that extra layer off. Glassing getting in and out of my bino harness is kind of a pain in the butt. 
yeah, yeah. you're like, eh, eh, it doesn't and go noisy. all the way. And I noisy, you know, you don't, a lot of hunts, sometimes you can yeah. be a little bit more loud on a hunt, depending on what you're after. But a lot of times those synthetic noises, you just want to mitigate as much as possible. So not having that friction, you know, the rubbing between would be, would be really yeah. nice. Um, another, another thing that probably a little bit underrated, um, but that we all busted out multiple times, whether it be for cold or like face protection was or sorry, like mm-hmm. a face mask of some kind. Um, like when we were going through the thick stuff that was like head high, like I think we all would kind of just pull our bills down, like pull that up as far as we could so we didn't get whipped in the face repeatedly. Um, and it was nicer on those colder days too when there was just like that bite in the air and it just kind of helped. And I, and I know a lot of people keep those on them anyways, but that's why I wore mine so I wasn't getting whipped in the face yeah, over and over. Definitely, that was nice. I mean, all the layers were needed and it's, it's hard because if we're going back next year, we can't necessarily, you still have to bring all the layers. You have to plan for warm, you know, and rain or cold and wet or cold and snow. Like you kind of have to go into a place like that prepared for any kind of weather you could get. So all the layers are really important. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about like overpacking stuff. Um, I, I would definitely concur. We all kind of had more crap than we needed, but the thing about a place like that, especially when, you have a transporter taking you across, you know, a waterway where potentially, you know, if they get the right wind, they're not going to be able to come back and get you. So every day that we went out, you know, we can't hike back to camp. So we're out here for the night if needed. And I never wanted to be out there with like out the essentials for survival if we needed them. So like, would I have wanted to go in lighter on a few occasions? Yeah. But like, was that worth sacrificing potentially what would keep us alive and comfortable? Mm. The spotting scope, though, so the the reason that we took a spotting scope was for um, you and Kristen could both shoot goats. So we were like, you know, and Lord knows we would have done it had we looked up there and seen something to go after. We would have, you know, time allowed and gone to to capitalize. So, um, but yeah, at one point when we realized we were probably just going to keep blacktail hunting, we just ditched that. So that was definitely probably nice to take out of your pack. Yeah, I I just feel like there was not enough time in the day to do all the things that we wanted to do, you know. So unless we went somewhere where we knew there were goats, um, then, yeah, we would have shifted gears and gone directly for that. But it ended up just working out that we just focused on blacktail the whole time. Yeah. And the sling that you're mentioning, yeah, it's a stone glacier um, gun sling. Uh, really nice. It just attaches right at the the um, pack belt and then also at the shoulder strap. And so just as my pack is still on, within seconds, I can just pull that gray tab and the gun is in my hand. There's a lot of different kinds. Um, I just feel like that one is the best for me. There's some like the Kafaro one goes under your arm. I would get so irritated with that, like rubbing between my boob and my arm the whole time that I just, yeah, but that's also another quick release option that I think a lot of people are liking. Um, but it's like 25 bucks for that stone glacier one. And I think totally worth it. That was something that was a a very handy tool while out there, whether it was going to be for a situation where you spooked a bear, you know, or needed to protect yourself or, you know, somebody's guns not firing. Here's this one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Which I can't believe happened to us twice. So yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a new piece that I think I just uh, put into my hunting pack like all the time. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, absolutely. So that that's something I'm trying to think if there was any other things on the gear front. I would say on the food front, there were a lot of changes that I would have made in the things that I brought. You guys came well prepared um, with some DIY, just like really comfort, you know, lasagna, you did salmon chowder, you did a few more of those like perishable items. I did almost 100% of the just like backpacking meals. So like peaks and stuff yeah. like that, um, which I kind of got bored of. And, you know, you and I both have mentioned that like those first couple, like three, four days, like I was not eating enough. You were not eating enough. I, I don't think any of us were. And at one point um, I was just like, I got to start shoving some calories in. Like <laughs> I need some food. Um, so yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to eat while you're out there. It's, it's kind of tricky when you're in a place where you're like, am I going to get weathered in? But shit, we had seven deer hanging in the meat locker. We weren't going to go hungry. Yeah, definitely we're not. And we, we got lucky with uh, somebody else staying out there that fed us quite well a few times too, which oh, was yeah. like the best thing after our triple day to like not have to worry about what we're going to eat for dinner. We just had it delivered to us like, and we crushed that pizza and that still like will probably be the best pizza I've ever had. I've talked about it to several people on several <laughs> occasions. Definitely so good. Desi, if you're listening to this, uh, we're still thinking about you. Yes, you're coming next year. <laughs> so biggest takeaways and what you would do different next year. I was mentally like preparing for like the worst in all the scenarios, but, uh, you know, I think maybe just to be like more confident and, um, the things that we were able to do, like that would probably be my takeaway is like, yeah, I'm a capable person. It's like, yeah, I've never done this before, but like, I'm smart. I can figure things out. Um, so yeah, I think that would probably be the biggest takeaway for me is like, okay, just because you've never done something before, doesn't mean you can't be successful at it the first time, mm-hmm. a lot of luck probably included. Um, but it just does make me feel good, like moving forward and, you know, being the one to like plan other hunts and try other species that I've never hunted before. It's like, okay, I kind of like get the process and how it goes. And so that makes me excited for like the future and like what else, you know, I can kind of come up with. Um, yeah. And the thing, like, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change anything, you know, like to me, it like all played out like how it would, but like we said, like, yeah, it would have been cool to tag out a third for me and get Chris in the nice buck. But like, I think everybody was pretty happy with how everything went. And like, we're both going to have some cool mounts to like, keep reliving these memories, you know, and like, if you're granted, like, the fact that, yeah, you tagged out on three super nice bucks. Like, will that ever happen again? Maybe. But, like, you know, knowing that um, we could just go do anything we want. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. I think that's my biggest takeaway as well is just <clears throat> the confidence piece. Um, not that I didn't think that we could do it, but, you know, there were certainly some, like, second guessing and just reservations and just, you know, like really, am I tough enough to go do this? You know? And yeah, I felt like, you know, I felt like I left Kodiak and got on that plane with wings shooting out of my spine. I just felt like what, what can't you do in a way that's just like sheer based on my confidence of just being able to do the damn thing, you know, by facing the fears or facing the situations that kind of make you feel intimidated and just like, rolling your shoulders back, chest out, walking into it. Like, okay, I'm here here. Let's just do it. You know, I think, I think that was, that was really big. 
Um, definitely even, you know, now I feel like I'm going to go into next year just with a little bit more confidence and every year. And I think that's the great thing about hunting and and seeing new places is that you kind of get to like chip away and kind of sculpt yourself into the, the refined hunter or, you know, refined outdoorsman or whatever, um, in the ways that make you happy in the areas that you're passionate about. So I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Like I, I feel like we all learn so much either like about ourselves hunting with other women that you know well and don't know that well. Um, and just like that there are like-minded women like us that are not afraid to go like go out and get our shit handed to us or like come out on top, you know, and we got a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the, the perfect storm, if you will, of like, what a Kodiak trip like should be, you know? And yeah, we, yeah, we got lucky on some things. Um, but like we also busted our ass every single day and we never took like a weather day or like we're hanging around the cabin. It was like, we were working hard Mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, I feel good coming out now. Like there were no days wasted, you know? So I have no, no regrets, if you will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's kind of a a stark contrast from how I felt coming out of the last hunt. The only other time you and I had met, um, on that, that extravaganza we had, um, (laughs) but you know, I felt like there was a lot left on the table there for me mentally, uh, certainly physically, but the weather did just no favors in that situation. But that I kind of left going like, ah, didn't quite get my cup filled. And this one, it certainly helps. Oh, hundred we percent. Yeah, this one, I hope that we were so successful, but it just helped that like we got to bond together. Like we got to make friendships and we got to do things that people are like, y'all are crazy. And I'm like, hell yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, I know it feels so good. And it's like, I'm sure you get it. And I get it like all the time. Like, I can't believe you guys did that. Like this trip wow, this doesn't happen. It's like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So any advice you have for, you know, anybody who's listening in, that's like, I want to plan a bucket list hunt. I want to go out of state or I want to go do this thing, but I'm kind of not sure exactly where to start. What would you be your advice for them? Man. Um, I would just say like, get on the horn. And like, if you've got an area or a species that you want to hunt, like just start doing your homework. Um, and then kind of be that squeaky wheel and ask questions and call outfitters and call, you know, fish and game of local areas for, from my understanding, it's like, for the most part, fish and game could be pretty helpful if you're like wanting to hunt an area that you're not super familiar, you know, familiar with. Um, but like, also you kind of just have to like kick aside like any doubt or like apprehension and uh you know it's like this is like the best way to learn you know um taking a hunt from like start to finish planning it all yourself kind of figuring out the logistical side of things it's like it's a lot of work um and like you'll learn so much every single time like while doing it like coordinating people money airfare gear lists uh you know everything like that so it's like my best advice would be just kind of like bite the bullet a little bit and like put egos aside and know that you might not be successful but you're gonna learn something hundred mm-hmm. percent um and it's i know it's easier said than done but it's just like you gotta do it you just like have to put yourself out there, be a little bit vulnerable and 
try something you're not good at, you know, like I'm about to do is like, go look for a bow. I've never picked up a bow in my life, but I might be going on an archery hunt. So talk to us about that. Okay. Talk to us about this little evolution for, from, you know, new, new newish rifle hunter to now putting a bow in your hand. Talk to me about that. Oh my God. Well, that was one of the first things he said when you got back to Oregon. It's like, well, you better pick up a bow and learn how to shoot archery because you're coming elk hunting with me next September. And I'm like, okay. It was just like, you know, luckily, like I have somebody like you that's like doing those things. And I feel like we've kind of created this relationship now where it's like, hey, I'm inviting you to do some shit. Like now you're yeah. you're getting your ass down here and you're going to get uncomfortable with me. Um, So it was like, there was no, again, like no hesitation. It's like, I, I learned that that's kind of the natural progression for a lot of hunters. I didn't think it would be there like already. Um, but like when you're telling me this and then like a handful of days ago, get in a group text, like, Hey, we're going to go on a, you know, archery hunt, Arizona, January, like you better learn how to shoot a bow. And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing just that. I'm going to walk into, you know, an archery store up here. I'm going to be like, I know nothing. I need help. And, you know, that's me. Like, again, ego aside, I've never picked up a bow. So it's like everybody starts from somewhere. Uh, and so I'm sure I'm going to be obsessed with it, just like everybody says. And then I'll, I have a new obsession uh, to already add to this other growing one. So I think I, I think I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do too, especially once you get that bow in your hand. And yeah, there's just, in my opinion, you know, there's a lot of great hunts, but nothing beats archery hunting. In my opinion, it's just the connectedness, the closeness, um, the therapy of shooting a bow in general, just like, yeah, not, not much kind of trumps that feeling of success once you've harvested something with a, with a bow. And I have no doubt you'll be as good at it as you are at everything else you pick up. So. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, don't be surprised if you see my name on the top of your list for all your archery camps next summer. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right. So Emily Thompson will be teaching in no time, I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, any other questions you felt like people were asking you that we didn't cover in either of these episodes? No, I think, um, I feel like we covered a lot of it. People were talking about like bear encounters. We touched on the gear stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like we kind of covered a lot of the things. Did you get any other questions that we didn't talk about? No, I think we've kind of integrated all of them into conversation. So I think people will have sure. some uh, answers that they're looking for. But certainly, you know, if people are listening in right now and you're like, hey, I want to ask Emily about this or I want to ask the girls about, you know, this part of their trip or planning, um, certainly reach out to us. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to have those conversations and just, you know, talk about what I know, what I've learned. Um, what I would do differently. Um, and I'm sure you would do the same. So I will, um, yeah, in same. respect for your time, and I know you had to get back out there and save people's lives and karate chop, karate <laughs> chop people. So where can people find you? Um, just remind them. <laughs> yeah. Instagram, A-K-M-E-T. Um, I'm on there all the time. If you've got questions, hit me up. You know, I don't, I don't know a ton, but like I'm, I'm doing my best to like get involved as much as I can. So I'm happy to help if people have questions about a new hunter getting involved because I feel like that's still me. Awesome. So. Well, we love it so much. Thanks for being a part of this community. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm already looking forward to the next adventure. 
Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.